We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Indiana Pacers. Reggie from the wing. to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! Ten seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Oladipo. Oh, he hit it! Victor Oladipo from three-point range. 18.7 seconds left. Miller for three, and he got it. Reggie Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the three-point line. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to Setting the Pace here with Alex Golden and the coach, the insider, Tyler Smith, and the leader of their Jermaine O'Neal fan club, Mike Focci. Guys, what's going on? Hey, it's a, it's a good time uh, to be a basketball fan. and It's fine. The time is finally here. And I'm excited as can be. What about you? Oh, I'm, yeah, great, man, I'm, excited I'm great. Too. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing well. Good vibes uh, coming from Pacer Nation. We got the uh, Miles Turner extension opening night just around the corner. So exciting times around here. All right. Well, let's jump into that. Miles Turner first reported by Sham Sharania that he got an extension for four years, $80 million. And then that was kind of held back a little bit by the Woj report saying that it was actually four years, $72 million with incentives to get that up to $80 million. So there, I kind of like that. Uh, contract better than one that Woj reported instead of the one that Shams reported. As for me, there's a lot of things that went to my head. But Tyler, I want to get your take. What was your first reaction when you saw this extension was completed yesterday? Well, uh, personally, uh, I like it a lot uh, for several reasons. And you know, one thing that fans have to remember is the Pacers are paying him for these future seasons. You know, they're not paying him for what he's done so far. Um, they believe that he's going to step up. I think a lot of people expect him to. But to me. The bottom line is this. Um, 
this team is not going to be a legitimate contender unless Miles Turner develops into a star caliber player or at least a really good player. And so they know what they have. You know, Oladipo's an all-star. The team overall is solid. they got a lot of depth. But this season and the future, a lot of it rests on Miles Turner's shoulders. And so when you're, when you're a small market team, you've got to hit on your draft picks. You've got to be rewarded by who you take. And to an extent, you need to be loyal to who you take. And so whether fans like it or not, you know, Miles Turner is the guy. Now, if he doesn't develop, if the contract ends up being a bust, it's kind of like, you know, so be it, but at least the Pacers are trying to go after it to win with one of their own guys. You know, it's not often that you get a chance to to lock a guy up that is this young with this potential. And now, you know, the Pacers don't have to worry about next summer some team coming in, offering him some crazy contract. They'd have to decide if they need to match or let him walk. Um, so I think they're actually going to end up saving money by doing this. And, and one final note on him is I, I think he's going to be this – about the 60th highest paid player coming into this year. So it's not like it's some crazy contract. Um, I think he can be a top 60 player. Yeah, Fachi, what was your take on this uh, this extension? Yeah, you got to love the Pacers betting on one of their own. I think that Miles Turner put in the work over the offseason. And as Tyler mentioned, we're not paying him for the, the 12.7 points per game, the six and a half rebounds. We're paying him for what we expect to be you know, a, a breakout year. I, I think the four years, seventy-two million, as you mentioned, it just it sounds better. It feels better than four years, eighty million. And as Tyler's mentioning, around sixtieth uh, highest paid in the league. It, it's crazy because there's guys like Kent Bazemore, Alan Crabb, Wesley Matthews that are going to be making just a tad bit more than this deal, making it even more appealing. So he's always been a, a key part of the future since we drafted him, and I, and I think that being able to avoid the whole restricted free agency. Uh, thing. I mean, you guys remember what happened when Portland ran up Roy Hibbert's contract and we were forced to match. It was just a messy situation I'm happy to avoid. Yeah, and as for me, I mean, a lot of people know that I'm not the the biggest Miles Turner fan. Now, I don't dislike Miles Turner. I just have some, you know, questions, and I have some concerns with his, his development over the past three years, and I really have gotten tired of the narrative of, oh, well, he's only 20, he's only 21. You know, I... I, I get that, and I got really tired of it last year because he did regress from the previous year, and so I was expecting a big year for Miles, especially with Paul George leaving. I just feel like this summer he did what was necessary to get his body in shape. That was my 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 biggest uh, concern was he just looked tired, and I was really happy to see that he is putting in the work to get better uh, as far as his physical uh, shape. But as far as his game goes... In the preseason, I felt like I saw some development. He didn't shoot the three as much, which I think is a good thing, but also a bad thing because he's a pretty good three-point shooter. I want to see him take more threes than I want to see him take 12-footers, 15-footers, because I think that's his bread and butter is that three-point shot. But it is it is interesting to me as well because you look at the, the league today and centers are not valued as much as they should be. And it's kind of become a position where you look at a guy like Clint Capella, who had a terrific year for the Rockets last year, but they weren't going to pay him. And then when he hit the market, nobody else was going to offer him anything crazy. So he ended up taking a lesser deal, similar to what Miles got. I think he got five years, 90, if, I, if I'm correct, somewhere around that, that uh, total. And so it is very similar to what Miles got for his uh, $72 million over four years. I think we're betting on what we hope Turner can be, but we're not sure. So that's that's the only problem. I think if Turner does not... <laughs> 
progress into the player that the Pacers want him to, at least the contract is movable. And I'm not saying that they're going to move him, but I'm saying this is a deal that isn't so you know high, kind of like um, Devin Booker's extension this offseason. It's something that's actually able to be able to move. So, I mean, Tyler, what is your thoughts on how I feel about the contract? I mean, your your concerns are absolutely fair, and I get the, the concern that some fans have. Um, that's a lot of money to commit to a guy that, you know, just had just an okay season. Um, but I do think that even if he had that kind of season again, I think he would be getting offers from other teams that may see the potential there. Um, really kind of historic uh, shooting and blocking combination, especially for that age. And um, I think ultimately, um, as I said, the, the Pacers need to bet on um, you know who they take and, and roll with it. And as you said, it's not a not a contract that's going to uh, stop their growth completely from that. And and there. Well, Fachi, I want to get your take on this as well. Um, I'll have Tyler echo your thoughts and my thoughts here, but. Recently, Nate McMillan said he's kind of tired of the Sabonis and Turner playing together questions. It's not going to happen that much. So, you know, Sabonis will basically be Miles Turner's backup. Now, they might play together some, but it won't be a lot. So, if Sabonis, who is 21 himself, has a solid season, and we saw last year he finished a lot of those games. The Pacers had nice fourth-quarter comebacks. He was on the court, and Turner wasn't. So, what happens if Sabonis just leaps Miles Turner talent wise. I mean how do we how do we go about that, Fachi? Alright, so now I mean we're gonna have a, a predicament over here between what if Miles Turner doesn't kind of perform the way that we want to and DeMontis Sponis is performing the way that we have seen in the past. I mean it's it's evident that he is the better rebounder out of the two, I mean, he's really showed it. Let all all bench players rebound last year, and you kind of get the feeling that he's a walking double double for Miles Turner. But after this deal, you got to get the feeling that he's going to have a much longer leash to be able to kind of get through these rough patches and perform. And no one saying that he's not going to play him that much together. You don't even want to think what's going to happen once the bonus hits free agency. But I'd like to think that Sabonis could really be an anchor of that second unit. And you got to just hope that Miles Turner is able to be what we're hoping to, that we're paying for. And, and I think the three-point shot, the, the shooting, I mean, Sabonis is no slouch when it comes to that at all, shooting-wise. But I, I do think Miles Turner is really going to show something that uh, we shouldn't be too worried about. We should be more excited about. What do you guys think? Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I think uh, this is one of those cases where it's a good problem to have. I know um, some of the fans are getting a little anxious over how it's all going to play out, and especially with the contract at Turner now. But um, Sabonis is locked up still for a little while. Um, it, I don't know how long it will last, but at least for last season and, and so far in the preseason, both guys are saying the right things in terms of you know they're really um, pulling for each other. Last year, no matter – actually, Kevin Pritchard mentioned that as well on media day, that whoever you know finished the game, the other guy was there cheering, no matter who it was. And so hopefully that will continue to last. Um, there are far bigger problems that a lot of other teams have that they wish they could have this problem. You know, As different uh, players as these guys are, um, if Nate McMillan can find ways 
to use them both to their strengths and maybe in certain matchups uh, make sure they're both getting pretty close to starter minutes the best that they can and uh, then you always have that luxury as well if somebody's in foul trouble or injured um, you've got that other guy ready to go so I think even though it presents a lot of challenges uh, it's a good problem for the Pacers to, to figure out. Now this is going to be a conversation that we have for the next year or so and I think that we can continue to beat this drum for a while talking about the differences talking about the similarities talking about them playing together but I think it's kind of getting old it's a little bit overblown I'd like to just see them play more minutes together this season kind of experiment with it and see what happens I mean last year we got a very very small sample size so I don't know if we'll get it or not, but with that being said, we've got a game to talk about. Wednesday night, real basketball is back. The Pacers open up at home against the Memphis Grizzlies. So we're going to preview that game and the other four games, or the other three games on the schedule with the Grizzlies. So the Memphis Grizzlies, they have Marcus Saul and Mike Conley back and Chandler Parsons. So a uh, little bit of a joke there with Chandler Parsons. He's become a joke, uh, especially for his contract, but... From what they've been saying, he's got a newly reconstructed knee that he went over to Germany to try to fix. And so it looks like he's going to be playing. Now, the Pacers did face the Grizzlies in preseason, but they did not play any of their starters. Neither team did. So, Tyler, this game, how you feeling about it? What are your expectations for this game against the Grizzlies? Feeling pretty good about it. Um, obviously, opening night, there's going to be a lot of hype. One of my concerns for the Pacers for opening night would uh, to not be too overhyped. Uh, last year, if you remember when a certain player from the Oklahoma City Thunder came into play, um, Victor Oladipo admitted the team was a little too overhyped for that showdown. And um, maybe a few times throughout the year, they were a little too amped up. And if if that happens on opening night, a team like Memphis can stay close and make it interesting. You know, even though they were awful last year, um, Memphis, they only had 12 games last year where Conley and Gasol both played. And they were 7-5 and five in those 12 games. So um, definitely no slouch of an opponent. Um, they added Kyle Anderson in free agency. Of course, they lost uh, Tyreek Evans to Indiana. But I like the Pacers on opening night. Um, they got some tougher games coming up after that. So I think it's a game that they need to win. Um, obviously, it's just one game, but it would be a, a huge, early, uh, huge early win to, to kick Kings off on the right foot. Fachi? So... I mean, the Pacers at home, you, you got to believe that the, the crowd's going to be out there rocking, really supporting the Pacers. Always been a, a really great home team, 27-14 last year at home. Yeah, the team's healthy. Uh, I think that this is a game that the Pacers will come out and, and take care of business. One of the big strengths this year is going to be chemistry. Sure, obviously, Conley and Gasol have played together for a while, but there's they were really injured last year. You know, that, that, that team's not, let's say, maybe not all in sync compared to the Pacers. And, hey, I don't want to call it a Tyreek Edmonds revenge game because it's only one year, but you got to get the feeling he's he's going to be looking to come out uh, ready to rock, having spent the year over there but not really gotten the offer that he thought he might have gotten. I, I expect the Pacers to come out and, uh, you know, put, put the clamps down on defense and, I want to see some of this uh, this extra offense that we added with Tyreek Evans, adding Doug McDermott. Are we going to be letting the, the three-point ball fly uh, tomorrow compared to all those mid-range jumpers that we saw just a little too much of? So I expect the Pacers to win by, I know the, the, the Vegas line had it about six and a half. I see about an eight-point win for the Pacers. 
Yeah, and see, you know, when, when it comes to Memphis, this is a team that is not pro- projected to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. It's a tight conference over there, extremely loaded. I'm a little worried about this game, to be honest with you guys. We have always struggled against Memphis. Now, I know we beat them last year, but it was a very tough game. They didn't have Conley. They didn't have Gasol. I don't even think Tyreek Evans played in the last matchup when they played at Baker's Life Fieldhouse. I think it was like Wayne Seldon was going off on us. So this this Memphis team, they, they always play hard. They're very tough, and I think opening night, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a grit gritty game, and I know that's how Memphis has been over the past couple of seasons, and they've been one of those teams that was a staple in the playoffs with those two stars and Gasol and Conley. So I think this is gonna be a very tough game, and I'm not predicting the Pacers to lose because they're at home, and like you said, Fachi, they're a really good home team. Tyler, do you remember how many how many seasons it's been since they've lost uh, or had a losing record at home? I think they are currently at 27 straight seasons of a winning record, which is the longest current active streak in the NBA. And I believe, I'll have to check the the stats, but I think the Phoenix Suns have the record, and it's somewhere around the 33 or 34 uh, straight. So the Pacers are closing in on the all-time record for that. Well, yeah, and I think that this is definitely a game the Pacers should win. They probably will win, but I'm still a little uncomfortable uh, not ready to put a lot of money down on this if I was a betting person uh, on the Pacers, just because I feel like Memphis could cause problems for us because they always have. Am I am I overthinking this, Tyler? No, I mean, like I said, especially if the Pacers are too overhyped and they're trying to do too much, you know, if they, they need to play their game because Memphis is a team that, you know, even with like, what, 22 wins or so last year, um, that's you can't look at that as the team that you're about to face. You know, 7-5 and five when Conley and Gasol both play, they're both expected to be in there. So um, it could be one of those grinded-out games, and um, they're going to have to have to get it done possibly in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and we've seen plenty of those uh, fourth-quarter comebacks. Now, that is one thing I would like to see the Pacers do a better job at this season, not being down by 15 points in the fourth quarter. We love the comebacks. We love the the Lance Stevenson show, but Lance is gone. So now it would be the Oladipo Tyreek show. We love those kind of moments, but at the same time, I would feel much better as a fan if I didn't have to watch us try to come back from 15 points down every single game. Fachi, were you in that same boat? Completely. While it's exciting, it's also nerve-wracking. I would much rather prefer to put the pedal to the metal in the first quarter and just get off to a great start. And, uh, yeah, as, as, as I was mentioning, you know, it's not going to be the same Memphis team that only had 22 wins. I'm anxious to see what, what Jaron Jackson's looking like. You know, Marshawn Brooks played really good towards the end of the year. Dylan Brooks is picking it up. So the game is, this is not a game to overlook. Uh, I, I do think being at home is going to make a big difference. And uh, like I said, I'm confident the Pacers take care of business tomorrow. Now, in game number two for the Indiana Pacers, I think this will be a game that the Pacers all have circled on their calendars because for some reason everybody in NBA Twitter and NBA for ESPN, Fox Sports, they have crowned the Milwaukee Bucks as the, the darlings of the Eastern Conference with Giannis Antetokounmpo winning the MVP in most people's predictions, and then you've got the Bucks jumping the Sixers and the Pacers, going all the way to the third seed, and Zach Lowe's call them today. And the, the favorites to win the Central Division, they were the seventh seed last year. And I don't understand. I get adding a new coach, Coach, coach Budenholzer. He's a great coach, but we only really saw one terrific year in Atlanta. All the other seasons were pretty mediocre. I get the hype with Giannis. He's a terrific basketball player, but... You know what? The Pacers have been overlooked 
time and time again, and I think, Tyler, this is a game that the Pacers are going to be looking at with with uh, nothing, uh, not wanting to hold anything back. They want to prove themselves in this game, and I feel like this could be a really fun, fun game to watch in Milwaukee. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, it'll be a fun one. Um, definitely a chance to have a kind of a statement win early in the season if there is such a thing um it's going to be tough i think it's uh, milwaukee's home opener if i'm not mistaken uh they'll have a great atmosphere there but you know when they had their coaching change last season i believe they were just 21 and 16 which is a good record but it's not like they just went completely off um under their new coach at that time so um i like you said, I get some of the hype that they're being given, and I do think it is going to be Pacers and Bucks battling it out for the Central Division. Um, but we'll see what happens, and it, definitely an early, a fun early ball game, game number two. Pachi? So, and you know, the first road test, as you mentioned, everyone is trying to really crown—not not crown, but really emphasize that the Bucks are a team to be rec- uh, forced, a force to be reckoned with. This year, and are they as good as everyone thinks? I mean, last year they did underperform. Budenholz and Sun, that is a great offseason move. But at the same point, they're, they're just not that deep. I think that if the Pacers can come out strong and take that game against Milwaukee, all eyes will be on us to, to know that, hey, it's not just a two-team race in the East between Boston and Philly. The Pacers are in that mix. And there is a chance this could be a first-round matchup. This could be a, a, a four-versus-five seed. It's definitely a possibility if the Pacers are unable to get that three seed, but it is going to be important to come out there on the road and really, you know, handle business because the Pacers were only twenty one and twenty last year on the road. It's, it's basically a five hundred record. And Giannis is unbelievable. Uh, there, there is no, you know, no single answer to, to stop him. But that's where we're going to have to rely on our gut. And hey, can Oladipo take it to that next level? Because if he's able to consistently you know, hand it out just like he did last year, but turn it up a tad bit, I think that uh, this is going to be—it's going to be a, a real tough one. But man, I would really love to take that that game to a first game on the road against Milwaukee. Yeah, and I think in those four games we saw last year against Milwaukee, Thad Young played really good defense on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now I don't really think there's another guy on the Pacers that can really. Uh, stop Giannis or stay in front of him as well as Thad. I think Thad is the perfect defender to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo and might be one of the best defenders in the Eastern Conference to match up against Giannis because they kind of have a similar build. Uh, Tyler, what did you think of Thad's defense last year on Giannis? Oh, he played great. You know, the Pacers went 3-1 and one against him. And I also want to kind of a side note here. Um, when the Milwaukee Bucks come to Indiana, uh, the dates are December 12th and February 13th. Fans should get tickets to that, if nothing else, to hear the Pacers PA guy try to pronounce his name. Um, it is it is high-quality entertainment. I think I counted 11 different ways last year. One time, he uh, I swear he said An- Anteta Kumba, or he's been saying Kumba or Koopa, like he the Mario. He Kumba. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, so that's that. good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, Fat Young, Fat Young did a great job. You know, he's... There's a reason that he's called the glue guy of this team, and and you know there's so many different ways that he can help, and um, we'll see if that continues. Because if the Pacers were to win the season series again against Milwaukee, that's a huge you know couple game swing there um, that may loom extremely large. I did also like that the four matchups this year are pretty spread out. Uh, I don't like when you know they 
play the same team twice in a matter of a week or two because then if there's an injury, it really impacts the standings. Um, October 19th, December 12th, February 13th, March 7th. So nice and spread out for the season series here. Awesome. Yeah, I know this, this is going to be the most watched series for me as the Pacers look to win the Central Division for the first time in a while since uh, since LeBron James is no longer with the Cavaliers. I think this is an awesome opportunity for the Pacers, but it's also a great opportunity for the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks are a young team that have a lot of talent. So this this will be a fun series to watch. And I'm also excited to watch a Sixers-Pacers series as well because all those will be nationally televised. So I think that some people are... Uh, across the league are interested in that matchup as well so let's move on to game number three saturday night seven o'clock make sure you get tickets to this game uh it's the pacers hosting the nets and so the nets have once again another another year of uh trying to build their roster they got some nice young guys on their team they brought in some veterans kenneth for reed they have alan Kravitz they got a couple years ago in in a trade so they finally have their draft pick as well so it'll be interesting to see what the nets are wanting to do this year Fachi, what are your thoughts on the Pacers versus Nets? So this is obviously a must-win game for the Pacers. Of course. Definitely a must-win. The first uh, back-to-back on the union for the Pacers, we'll see. But, you know, being at home, and the, the Brooklyn Nets, they are going in the right direction. It, it's it's nice to finally see that they'll you know, end up getting their draft finally at the end of the year. But it, this just it's not the year. DeMar Carroll's already ruled out. He's having some ankle surgery. I think that, that always helps. Uh, um, and also they signed as, as you uh, I forgot to mention the veteran himself Jared Dudley <laughs> he is just uh, I feel like that guy is just going to be just a great locker room presence just to help them but not on the court uh, I think the Pacers just, this, um, this is a game that I'm not worried about but we have to have it, it's a game that I think that this could be our first potential blowout game where we really can uh, hopefully put everything on display uh, I, I really think we can put the clamps down on defense in this game. But they, while they have, you know, they did add a couple people. It's more of a, a couple moves like filling salary, like kind of three, and a couple draft picks that just aren't ready to contribute yet. Um, I'm not really worried about D'Angelo Russell in this game. I think this is going to be the kind of game where we're we're going pretty deep on the team and letting everybody get uh, some quality minutes. Uh, that's a game where I'm really excited. Last year, that was uh, that was the first game of the season, and or Miles Turner just looked so good in that game before having a concussion that uh, that was a really high scoring game. I want to say it was about one forty to one thirty or something really close to that. But uh, I expect us to, like I said, clamp down on defense and really, uh, really get this win out. Not squeaking it at all. I'm seeing about a ten to ten to fifteen point win. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, the Brooklyn game? Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I agree. It's a game the the Pacers need. Um, really, opening night and Saturday. When you consider the the tough uh, three road games they have uh, sandwiched around those um, two games, the Pacers really need to have. I think the Nets are once again going to be bottom three or four team in the Eastern Conference. I will say, however, teams that are not very good, but sometimes dangerous. It, it's either on the back-to-back or some of these teams early on in the season, they kind of play over their heads a little bit. Maybe, you know, a guy like Russell or, or, you know, one of their guys goes off and they can keep up. Um, so it's similar to Memphis in that there's, you know, far from a guarantee in NBA, anybody can win any night. Um, and Pacers hope to, to do well uh, on their back-to-backs, especially at home. But, again, game they need to take. 
Yeah, for sure. That's that's the most important thing here is beating the teams that you should beat, uh, especially if you're wanting to be a serious contender in the Eastern Conference. So the last game before we should be back next Tuesday, Monday night, 8 o'clock in Minnesota. Now, we know all the crazy drama that's going down in Minnesota. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Jimmy Butler is a part of that team, and I think that if he is, it's going to make the game a little bit tougher as far as talent on the court, but Chemistry-wise, we really don't know what to expect from Minnesota, especially with all of this going around. And I think this might be a perfect time to catch a Timberwolves. So right at the beginning of the year, right with Jimmy Butler in the mix, all the drama. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's it's a huge question mark as to what they have. I've been looking at their schedule. They play, they open with the Spurs. They have the Cavs. Um, they play Saturday uh, in Dallas, and then they have a day off before the Pacers come in. So um, they've got a um, couple, couple home games, a couple road games, but not a whole lot of time to figure things out until then. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I think it was last year in Minnesota, maybe the third game of the season, if I remember right. The Pacers, we had a big road win. Um, maybe I think Butler didn't play in the game, but it was still one of those wins that was, even though it was early, it was kind of like, hey, this Pacers team is looking kind of good here. And, you know, that's uh, not often they play the same team, you know, early on in the season like that with their um, one and only trip. But basically it's a really talented group, but with so much going on there, like you said, maybe it is a good time to go in there and steal a win. Yeah, Fachi, what are your thoughts on this game? This four-game stretch is going to tell us a lot about this team. Uh, going on the road to Minnesota, as we all know, the Jimmy Butler you know, situation has, has been very publicly uh, addressed. And so you got to see, I, I fully believe that he will be with the team. And on paper, they're loaded with talent. Carl Anthony Towns is going to be a handful in this game. That's going to be a real test for, I want to see how Miles can really match up in that game, obviously, we know we put on some size, but Carlton Towns is a handful, no matter how you how you look at it. Um, it's it's this is going to be, in my mind, the, the toughest of the four games. If we can take this one, it would it would really say a lot about this team. Uh, they're the starting five. You know how how Spibbs, he's going to play everybody. <laughs> the starters might get forty minutes apiece, so <laughs> you got to hope that we could win this game by having a better team chemistry and a deeper roster. I think that that's going to be the way to, to the secret to hopefully being able to, to squeak out a win on the road. Yeah, so what I, I guess I'll ask you first, Fachi. With these four games, what do you expect the Pacers' record to be after their game against Minnesota? I expect 3-1. and one. I, I think that the Minnesota game is the toughest. I, I really think that the Pacers will come out and, and play real hard against Milwaukee. You can't overlook Memphis and Brooklyn, but I, I do think that were significantly better than those teams. The starting five, I mean, we're just this team, I don't want to keep pounding it in, but chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. This bringing back the same starting five, which is it's such a tight-knit group that I think that it is going to go a long way uh, this year. I, I think the one game that I am worried about is the Minnesota game. Obviously, Milwaukee, it's not a sure thing at all, but, hey, I'm going with three and one, anything less, and uh, I'd, be a little bit, I'd be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I've debated on uh, that whether it's three and one or two and two. Um, obviously, a lot of fans want four and zero, which is possible but difficult, of course. Um, 
I think I'm probably leaning towards two and two just because despite all the junk that's gone on in Minnesota, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat on their home floor. Um, and then uh, I would say Pacers will win both the home games and maybe drop those two away games. But I was also looking a little bit ahead to the fifth game, which is the Spurs. I know we'll talk about that next time, but um, I was kind of thinking about a three and two Pacers start, which would mean they would take the home games, win one of the games, one of the tough games on the road, uh, and go from there. But I, I did want to mention, you know, fans like to overreact a lot early in the season. Uh, I want to encourage fans to be very careful not to overreact this year. It's a long season. You know, the Pacers were 19 and 19 in the first 38 games last year. And so they ended up being, well, within a game of the three C, three C when all is said and done. So if the Pacers do disappoint a little bit in the first few weeks or so and play 500 ball, it's not ideal, but it's also not the end of the world if that happens. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say the Pacers are 3-1 and one after they play Minnesota, and I think the one loss comes to Milwaukee. As as tough as the Pacers might play Milwaukee on the road, I think it's just going to be a tough environment. Playing the Bucks, opening night, like you said, Tyler, it's going to be a tough game. And you know what? It's it's just part of the regular season, and I think this is going to be a fun matchup all year long. So I'm going 3-1. and one. Uh, I'm, <clears throat> The fan of me wants to say 4-0, and oh, like you said, Tyler, but uh realistically i just i feel like minnesota is very beatable uh we beat them last year in minnesota as well so i think that they're comfortable playing up there and this team actually played pretty well on the road last year and i think playing four preseason games on the road as well helps their confidence you know with being on the road so that's why i'm okay with picking minnesota as a win so i'm gonna go three and one but we do have some questions so tyler you want to read a couple of those questions off for us yeah, sure thing. Uh, first question comes from Andrew Krill. You can find him on Twitter at the Andrew Krill. Uh, he said, "Which one of the following three scenarios would indicate the Pacers had the best season? Number one, Oladipo wins MVP. Number two, Miles Turner wins MIP. Or number three, Tyreek wins Sixth Man." What do you guys think? Fachi, I'll let you answer this first. You got to go with Oladipo winning MVP. I mean, other than Russell Westbrook's historic first triple double season where they were about the sixth seed, it, that's just too rare. In order for Oladipo to be MVP, you got to imagine the Pacers are a top two seed and that they're really just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, I, I would I would imagine at that point, man, for Oladipo to win MVP, the Pacers would have to be almost around that. You got to figure maybe fifty-five win marks, and that would be pretty damn impressive to me. So I'm going to go with Oladipo winning MVP this season. To if that happens, everything's going right. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Fachi. If he's if he's MVP, <clears throat> that means the Pacers have over exceeded expectations. If Miles Turner's most improved player, now the Pacers might be better. Uh, as a, as a team as a whole, maybe or Turner taking that leap might make the Pacers a better team. But I think that Oladipo making that jump to MVP, that scenario, wow, that mean that means the Pacers are a top two team, like you said, in the Eastern Conference, and you know they probably win fifty five games if he's the MVP. Yeah, valid points for sure. I'm going to disagree just for the case of uh, disagreeing. If that's cool. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Just, just got to do it. Got to do it. So yeah, it's hard to argue. You know, MVP season would be just unreal, and uh, you know the Pacers would almost for sure be a top two seed, like you said. It, you know, it's a stars league, and um, if he takes another big jump, it's hard to argue against that. But um, 
what I was thinking was if Miles Turner, you know, there's different seasons as far as most improved player. If you think of last year's most improved player, the jump that Oladipo took, if Miles Turner had that kind of jump, and then you still bank on Oladipo playing as well as last year or maybe even a little bit better, um, to me the Pacers overall um, would be in a better position than just having one guy going after it. So definitely get you know both of those. It's hard to argue against the MVP, but just for the sake of doing it, um, those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with you there a lot about Miles Turner because it's not just one player. It's another player taking another step up. So that that makes perfect sense. Did you have any more questions? Yeah, I also had one question from uh, Jason Hall. Uh, he is asking about the Pacers' uh, chances for the finals. Do they have? Do the Pacers actually have a legitimate shot at the finals? Fachi? Hey, my dinner fan in me says, of course. The, the realistic one goes that Boston is pretty damn scary. And I, I think that if it's got to be unanimous that Boston is the favorite to come out of the East. I think that if the Pacers play the Sixers in, uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs or maybe you know, either way, I, I'm not as scared of Philly, but Boston is that one team in the East that, that definitely looks like uh, they're pretty deep and scary. So uh, I would think that that could be a, a battle of a series. It's going to come down to health. If the Celtics are fully healthy, I think they get the nod. If, if the Pacers can you know, be just as healthy as they were last year, and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe something happens with, with the, you never want to wish, you know, bad health on anyone. But if that was that same Celtics team from last year, I think the Pacers could have played them pretty damn well. Yeah, I'm gonna, the I'm Pacers give are 101 odds according to Vegas, and as far as I go, I, I do not think that they're a championship level team yet. They need um, significant improvements from the roster within. I just don't think they have enough talent on this team to win a championship, but they can definitely be competitive uh, if they mm-hmm. make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's their ceiling for me. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's not super likely for this group, um, but you know it's at least they have a somewhat of a chance. And as, as a Pacer fan, that's got to be exciting to come into a year thinking that, you know, if things break their way. Um, I think two of the last three or four years, there's been a lot of injuries like throughout, not just one team or here or there, but a lot of injuries throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. You never know if that were to happen again and the Pacers were the ones that were healthy. Who knows? You know, that, it's why they play the games. It's why it's exciting. I do think if the Pacers have any shot whatsoever – they would have to get a top three seed. Um, assuming Boston's number one, you do not want to play them in round two and then have to play one of the other uh, teams that would be hot at that point as well. So stay away from Boston, get them in the conference finals, and uh, Oladipa goes off and who knows. But not super likely, but at least there is a chance. Yeah, for sure. And this is the last question we have. Evan Graham, he's on Twitter, at PacersMan4. He messaged me and said... Um, who do you believe will be re-signed at the end of the season and who do you think will not be retained? So as far as the expiring contracts coming up, we have how many how many expiring contracts do we have coming up, Tyler? Uh, I'm actually trying to remember. Uh, let me look it up real fast. It's a bunch. Well, like we, I know for See. sure we got Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Tyreek Evans, Bogdanovich, Thaddeus yeah. Young. Um, those are the five big ones. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn, that's number six. And then we just re- we just extended Turner, so that takes away that one. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the maybe Ben Moore seven, uh, Ike Ike, right? 
He's in there. Ike Anibobu. Ike Anibobu, see on his? He has a contract listed on here, um, but it could be could be an option. Yeah. So yeah, basically so like our core of Sabonis, Turner, and Oladipo will be back with our young guys, Aaron Holiday, Alizé Johnson, uh, those kind of guys. Doug McDermott was signed this offseason. Yep. So, I mean, mm-hmm. out of those guys we mentioned, who do you think they bring back? I mean, that, this is a really tough question to answer right now because the season hasn't even started yet. But there's there's a lot of nice talent on, on this you know on this roster that's going to be up for a payday at the end of the season. So, Fachi? I guess I'll start with you. Who do you think is most likely to return and most likely to leave? My gut feeling for most likely to return is probably going to be Bogdanovich. I, I think that he's finally looking for a home. Bouncing around a little bit from uh, New Jersey and, and the Wizards, and then coming over to the Pacers. I mean, he he was a nice fit last year. He played probably the best season of his career. I think that he would come with maybe a bit more of a, a reasonable priced contract. Um, and when I'm looking at the other players on the roster and you know, over the, the bigger names, a guy like Corey Joseph, I, I just think he's gone. I, I think that he's looking for – he's that guy who's on the cusp where I think that he could compete for a starting point guard spot with some teams. Having drafted Aaron Holiday, I just don't think he fits into the future plans. Uh, Collison, man, he's, he's getting older. It'll be 32 after, after uh, next season. I don't know if the Pacers are going to really look to bring him back unless it's definitely more of a mentor role. Uh, so, I, And then last brings you to Thad Young. I, I don't know. There's just so many bodies down low between, you know, Sabonis and Miles Turner. You want to get those guys minutes, and then how are you going to get T.J. Leaf minutes? It's, it just doesn't seem like there's enough minutes to go around. So my gut says Bogdanovich returns to this team, and Corey Joseph's gone, Thad Young's gone, and then, you know, <clears throat> I, I, I think Collison's a, a toss-up. Tyler? What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree with some of those points. I, I think it is very difficult, especially with this many guys that will be free agents. Um, interesting thing for Bogdanovich would be, would he accept a role off the bench? Um, because I think the Pacers, you know, with the cap that they have, they may be looking for um, a 3 and D, you know, more starter um, type than, than he would be. And, and I think he would be a, a wonderful guy off the second unit for a good team. But is that something he's willing to accept? And if so, then I could see him coming back. Same thing with Evans. Uh, you know, I think he's he's trying to get paid and, you know, more power to him, uh, at, trying to have a good year and get paid somewhere. But um, if, if that works well here and he doesn't mind not being a starter, um, I could see that as well. I really don't think either one of the point guards will be back. In fact, I'm not even entirely sure that both will remain on the team throughout this entire season. Ooh, well, um, I'll take it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I just think with, with Sumner and Holiday, and then also with uh, – you know, some other opportunities that could be out there. Um, it's possible that a, a Joseph type gets dealt later on. I think you can't do it right now because he's too valuable with a veteran presence and um, some good defense and um, meshing with the, the core group. Um, but I just, I, I would be surprised if either Collison or Joseph were back next season. Um, and then uh, Thad Young, probably not, which is hard to say. You know, a lot of fans obviously love him and he has been the glue. But when he's in line to get one final uh, pretty big contract, whether it be three years or more, um, I just don't know if I see the Pacers being able to work that out with uh, the other bodies that they have and the other needs that they have. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a loaded question. I mean, you kind of have to just kind of watch how they play this season, like I mentioned earlier. If Tyreek has an amazing season, I think he's number one of the top priorities of the guys that you bring back. But at the same time, you guys are both down on the on the point guards. I think that as much as we like Aaron Holiday and Sumner, Sumner to me is not a point guard. I think he's more of a two guard. And I think with Holiday, are you really ready to throw him into that starting position right away? Probably not. Now, the guy I would like to see them go after in free agency is Patrick Beverly. I know he's had injury problems, but I just like his fit next to Oladipo. I think that would be an amazing defensive backcourt. But I like Corey Joseph. I think he's overall a better player than Derek, Darren Collison personally. Uh, but there's been times when Collison's outplayed Joseph. So I think one of them probably will remain here. It just depends on who wants to keep, uh, who wants a shorter-term deal. I don't think it'll be a long-term deal if they do stay. Um, but as far as, as the forwards go, Bogdanovich, I think he's probably gone. You want to bring shooting off the bench. But like I said, you know he wants the minutes, so it's going to be tough to win a championship if you're having Bogdanovich as your starting small forward. Thaddeus Young... He's getting a little older. I think he's wanna, he's going to go to a team that he can possibly win with uh, a championship with. And if the Pacers don't bring in the right pieces, how are they going to do that? So, you know, it's there's a lot of question marks there with this team. But I'm excited. I think that there's a lot of, lot of possibilities for improvements with this roster this season, in the middle of the season if they make a trade, or in the offseason next year. they got plenty of cap space, and there's a lot of talented players out there next year. So it'll be interesting to see what the Pacers do. So... I think that wraps it up for the show, guys. We went a, little, went a little bit longer than usual. Usually we go about 30 minutes, but with the Turner extension, we threw about 10 minutes of that extra in there. So as far as myself, Tyler, and Fachi, you guys can check us out every week. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. And until then, we'll talk to you later. See you guys. Have a good one. See Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.